Welcome to the Midlife Pilot Podcast. It is a podcast all about being a pilot in midlife and flying and aviation and all things associated with it. And uh, this is episode, believe it or not, 31 we're up to of uh, podcasts. And I've titled it based on Brian's exact text to me earlier today, Strange Things That Happen. And I just thought I loved it. And then to mess with him, I made the graphic on the YouTube thumbnail say weird things that happen. And I left him kind of in dissonant fashion just to see if I could make him crazy about that. But um, yeah, great idea for a podcast. (laughs) Tonight is going to be just about things that happen that are out of the ordinary or things that aren't quite normal as they've been for you in the past. And so we're excited to get into that. My name is Chris Moran. I'm uh, the Midlife Pilot on YouTube. And I'm joined again by my esteemed uh, colleague, friend, um, uh, fellow podcaster and pilot, musician extraordinaire, deep in the heart of Music Row, it's uh, Brian Siskin. Good evening, sir. Hey, man. Uh, it's great to see you. And uh, hey, if you, I know you've been uh, under the weather a little bit, so if you need to just go on a coughing uh, break, you just mute yourself and I will, I will. just uh, do some miming or, uh, you know, improvise. But yeah, it's great to be here. Um, it's been... You know, it, I like the two-week interval. It's sort of like, uh, I don't know, a lot's happened, but also it's you know we're we're staying tight with each other. Episode thirty-one, pretty pretty awesome. I I I think um, you know we've actually been starting to pay a little bit of attention to sort of how the podcast is doing, <laughs> and it's actually on the audio podcast, which is primarily the vehicle for it. Uh, obviously, we're just doing the taping here, but it's actually doing really well. Um, which is surprising because we're just a couple of hacks, right? Like we're not, <laughs> we're not providing, you know, we're not instructors. We're not providing, uh, you know, that kind of expertise per se. Um, so anyway, thanks to everybody for listening and doing the review things and all the ratings or whatever, and, and just Absolutely. being a part of it. And uh, obviously everybody in the chat has just been awesome. And that's really what makes this most fun. Uh, but yeah, so the topic, you know, I just, I had an experience yesterday. Or I had several experiences yesterday flying, um, where when I was done for the day, I, I flew about three hours yesterday, or something like that, three and a half hours, uh, a couple of trips and some sightseeing also. And I, I had so many anomalous, strange, weird little wrinkles come up that were, you know, I, I, I was not going anywhere. I hadn't been before or doing anything I hadn't done before. Um, and it just struck me as, you know, especially for those that are training and trying to wonder, trying to envision what it's going to be like when you get your license uh, or your certificate. And then also um, those who maybe have just recently passed their check rides, uh, which we have some people here uh, that have recently passed their check rides, which we'll mention. Uh, but it's like, it's, it's just crazy how you can do the same flight five times and all these different things will happen. So I just thought it'd be fun to sort of talk about, it's not about like emergencies or, I mean, it can be, but it's more about like, because I think that what people don't really talk about enough is all the little things that kind of throw you off or out of your routine or your flow. And it's amazing how when you're a lower hour pilot, you know, all of, most of us are, you know, say under 500 hours or, you know, something like that, maybe, you know, and still susceptible almost like in training in a way, but not quite, right? Where it's like one thing goes weird and it's, it forces you to start calculating stuff in a different way or make, you know, making decisions or doing something that you've been trained to do, but you actually haven't had to do or, or whatever. So I just thought it'd be interesting to sort of kind of rapid fire some of these and talk about some of these. And we'll have a couple of guests on, I think, um, to kind of share some, some tales as well. So I think this will be really fun. 
Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. In fact, we should get to them first. Oh, you know, I had my I had to make my first ever um, decision to not make a flight because I wasn't feeling well on Sunday, which was kind of interesting because, you know, I'm, everything in me wants to make it happen. So I'm still contemplating like, well, you know, I don't feel that bad. Like I could still go. It turned out to be the exactly right call because by Sunday night I was at like urgent care getting antibiotics and all kind of stuff. So but it was uh, that was a weird thing. I mean, yeah. Well, you don't want to be like, you don't want to fly to a place and then be an angel flight coming back. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Let's, uh, you want to hear some stories? Do you want, how do you want to do it? You want to hear some stories from our guests first, and then we'll get into maybe some of the chat stories. And I'm definitely interested to hear some of your, uh, sure, your stuff from your last flight. Yeah. Maybe just to set that, maybe I'll tell one, just one small thing just to kind of set the tone a little bit because people are going to have more interesting things to say. But I, I want people to put these these things in the chat, and so I, I just want people to realize that the the wall here is quite low. The burden is very, very light. Um, but uh, let's see. I actually wrote a bunch of these things down. I'm not going to get to all of them, but uh, you know me, I like to write things. So um, okay, like here's a here's just like a little a little thing. This is not hugely significant in any way, but. Uh, you don't experience it until you get out there and experience it. And it's kind of strange. So I was flying to, um, this is sort of two wrapped into one thing. So I I was flying with a friend uh, to Coleman, Alabama, which is about an hour flight South from here in Nashville. And I've you know, I've been there once before and I wanted to go back because the restaurant was actually going to be open and my buddy wanted to go. And so I'm like, cool. All right. So we go and then we get, uh, down towards Huntsville and we're getting on with, uh, we're on with Huntsville, uh, approach. And meanwhile, uh, I'm looking off on around where, where the airport is. And I just see this insane sort of thousands of feet high, massively wide smoke situation of some huge, fi- I mean, it looked like a bomb had gone off, uh, on the Coleman airport and then all the areas surrounding it. And I, I was looking at the weather uh, f- uh, for the airport and, you know, yesterday was 70 degrees or whatever. Like it was s- severe, clear everywhere around everywhere. <laughs> it was just a perfect day. No wind, no clouds, nothing to worry about. Go where you want to go. No problem. Well, I'm, lo- I'm checking the weather and of all the places, you know, that, you know, I could have gone anywhere, but I'm going to the place where I'm, I'm checking the weather and it says that the field's gone IFR. <laughs> and I am so confused. And now I start looking at the smoke and then I'm looking at this. And uh, I guess the sensors also can pick up stuff and think it's, you know, because it was saying rain or mist. There was not a, like there was no way that that's what was happening. So anyway, the field was IFR. I was so confused. Um, and then I did something kind of stupid, but I just, I didn't think about it. Um, but I was on with Huntsville approach. They seem busy, but not crazy busy. And I said, uh, I said, Hey, is it, do you know of anything going on at Coleman, uh, or why it might be IFR because there's nothing, you know, and then the controller would just was having none of it. He, he was just like, no idea. That's <laughs> well, cool. well, great. Thank you very much. Um, wasn't long after that. Maybe this is what precipitated it. I don't know, but, um, uh, you know, just flying along. And then, you know, Huntsville just goes, they just call me out and they say, um, see you later, you know, squawk VFR. I don't, you know, I don't ever want to see you or talk to you again the rest of my life. And 
And so it's just, you know, and then I was still maybe 20 miles from where, you know, we decided to divert to Muscle Shoals, but it was like, I don't like to be not on flight following. Here I am kind of cut off. And you just don't think about those kinds of, you think so much about just doing all the things. You don't think about, <laughs> like they can just at any time just be like, hey, too busy, don't want to deal with you, don't like you. You asked me a question I don't like, whatever the reason is. Uh, I've seen or heard your podcast. I want nothing of this. I reckon, you know, so anyway, it was mm. just a couple of weird things where it was like a perfectly clear day. Yeah. And the field goes IFR. And for, I don't even, I still don't even really know what happened. And then, um, and then secondly, and it was funny because when I got on the ground, uh, Adam, who also uh, is part of this group and uh, one of the renters, timeshare type of people on this plane, he texted me. He, he, I guess he was listening along while he was working or something. He said, Huntsville approach didn't want anything to do with, you know, they, they told you to get lost, didn't they? Uh, so anyway, so that's just a, like, there's nothing really to draw from that other than just, you know, in terms of expecting the unexpected, you just, you don't think about the fact that they're just, sometimes they're going to get, you always think about the gatekeeping of approach controllers and things like that. And if they're too busy, they just won't even take you on, but sometimes they'll take you on and then get annoyed or busy or whatever it is. And they just tell you to go disappear. So that's mm-hmm. something else that can happen. It's very good. Let's talk to uh, our friend, uh, one doll geek. Want to? Let's do it. Uh, one dog geek uh, is a friend who made it to the uh, inaugural midlife pilot fly-in. Almost made it to the uh, nobody cares flying in Nashville. Well, didn't almost make it, but he was en route. Almost got to come down. Valiant effort, and Brian. I want to thank you for telling the start of a story with some sort of mystery at the end and then not resolving it. Thank you for that. Not for figuring oh, yeah, out what, what the heck was, was going on at Coleman. Thanks. Yeah, what was going on at Coleman? Did you ever find out? No. Well, he said he didn't know, right? So that's why I'm like, wow. See, I, I'm sort of, there. I'm very, uh, I guess, um, I forget which side of the brain I am, but I'm one of the sides and then you're the other side. And so I'm just going to say things sometimes, uh, Mr. Geek, that you just are, it's just, you're just going to be like, this does not compute. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. And uh, <laughs> I hope that I don't annoy you, but I also <laughs> kind of don't care. Um <laughs> Let's let you know what this let's make this like Festivus. Let's just go ahead and it's like an airing of grievances. Let's just get <laughs> lay it all out. Yeah. So uh so uh all right, so so, so the odd thing that happened to me. The yeah. odd thing that happened to me. It was um I don't know, it was probably whoa, I'm humongous. Um it was probably a month or two after having my private pilot license, and I fly out of a towered airport. And um, the I was cleared to land on runway two, and I'm on base. I'm on base for runway two, and I hear that there's a jet coming in, and Tower cancels my landing clearance and gives me this instruction. I'm going to read it because uh, they basically they said cross the extended center line and re-enter on a left downwind for runway two. And I had absolutely no idea what the heck that meant. So what I thought they meant was I thought they meant cross the extended center line and then just leave the pattern, make a big right turn and re-enter in midfield. And so I asked them, I said, is that what you're wanting me to do? And they're like, no, cross the extended center line where the downwind would be, turn left 90 degrees, and now you're on the downwind. I'll call your base. Uh. And, and so, but it... I. 
I'd never, I'd never heard that instruction before. And I had no idea how to handle it, how to handle it. And the only thing I could think of was ask. Well, that's obviously the right thing to do. Yeah, that's interesting. I've had a couple of things like that where I'm, I'm like, they've kind of got me doing circles around final approach, trying to figure out what to do with me for whatever reason. It was super crowded. That's one, that time when I just said, get me out of here. But, you know, because they changed me. They asked me to do a 270 and then join. Like I was on right traffic and then they had me out here and then said do a 270 to join now left track. Like sometimes you can't even when you're just trying to fly and not hit anything or anybody, it's pretty hard to start visualizing how this relates to the, to the field. So, yeah. So when you had that experience, was it, I mean, I know that your airport is a relatively new towered airport. Did it go through your head? These guys don't know what they're talking about or did, did, did it go through your head that you didn't know what you were talking about? Yes. (laughs) All of those. Yeah. (laughs) All of the above. I mean, I, I, I was, I would say as I was a brand new pilot at that point, um, I had less faith in my ability, you know, and I'd only been dealing with the towered airport for a couple of weeks. I had very little towered experience at that stage. So I just thought, wow, like, you know, again, like I didn't even know this was in the threshold of possibilities of things they would ask you to do. I thought it was like worst cases you get a 360 you know, or extend and, you know, it gets, it can get more complicated. So, right. Anyway, right. But that's, that's a good, that's a good bit. Um, I yeah, similar- I had, so I, I've wondered what the heck the other things they can extend, they can ask me to do. I have no idea what they are. Sorry for interrupting. No, you're good. Mine was similar, but different. Uh, I had a thing at Newport news um, in the 172 when I was going down there once where what well, the only logical way to enter the downwind for the runway that they were having me land on would have been a right downwind because the I was coming from that side of the you know that approach the airport and he didn't say anything like cross midfield or go do this other thing he just said uh, enter a left downwind for a runway whatever and I I kept you should have seen me it's in one of the videos actually I'm like on my iPad I'm like in my own mind I'm trying to figure out how he could possibly mean that and I'm puzzling it out and I'm getting closer to the airport closer to the airport and he unprompted comes back on and says. Oh, actually, uh, five to Lima, a right downwind, make a right downwind for this runway. And I said, I actually on the radio, I said, oh, okay, that makes more sense. You know, like, yeah, right, right downwind makes more sense. But he just called out left downwind. And I was doing the same thing. I'm like, well, that has to be what he means. But how am I supposed to, I'm like looking at the chart, like, I don't know, am I going to fly over the field at a tower at airport? I'm, normally they would tell you to like how they want you to get over there because they, they were using two runways, you know, one for takeoff and landing. It was yeah. I, I remember, I remember being confused, but I don't know if it's. I remember it because when I watched that video, but I don't know if it's because um, you narrated the confusion and I picked it up, or because I was like building the picture in my head. I think yeah. it was probably because you narrated it. I was extremely confused. It was. Uh, I did not understand. <laughs> I, I was. I was getting to the point where I was going to ask for clarification, but I wanted to make sure. I had plenty of time. I wanted to make sure that I was. I didn't want to be an idiot. But he he saved me from all of that by saying, you know what, that's come go this way instead. So before we go to our next uh, in-house caller here, I'm oh, sorry, geek, what you got? Uh, thanks for letting me uh, tell. Oh story. man, appreciate it. it. It's a yeah, pleasure. You, you can on. stick around if you want. It's not a big deal. Uh, you're already oh, a square. Okay, I'll just Hollywood I'll just hang out and mute. Here. Yeah, just hang out and mute, and you know, uh, have have some fun. But so I'll, I'll read one here that Steve Cross, uh, congratulations, recent uh, private pilot checkride passer um, and friend. So, um, okay. He says, uh, odd recent experience. Um, I don't know if you can pull it up on the screen, Chris, or it might not even fit. Um, 
Yeah. Odd recent experience. I had another aircraft blocked in between hangars at a towered airport was running was running and on ground frequency. The plane behind me called up and directly asked me to move. So you were on with ground and a plane pulled up behind you and said, get out of the way. Is that, is that what that is? Um, <laughs> yeah, what it sounds like I, I picture him like, um, they were in between two, you know, rows of hangars, and he was already started up and was talking to ground. And another plane was behind him. Was like, "Hey, can you get out of the way by tail number?" I mean, yeah, I can see that. I mean, Especially if you're in a one seventy two, it's like it's like telling a bicyclist to get off the road or something. Right, get out of the way. <laughs> well, yeah. So, oh, by the way, another little thing I had that I just want to that I actually have on video. It's on my channel. But one of the weirdest things I just remembered that ever happened to me was. Uh, I had just gotten to the point where I was not renting my training aircraft anymore and was I'd gotten this kind of club plane situation, but it was an hour and a half away to where I had to go pick this plane up. So I would go and pick it up like that. Anyway, I went down to pick up the plane early in the morning on a Sunday and I go down and I pull the plane out of the hangar and I'm pre-flighting everything and I keep hearing this like and I realize that there's something alive that is inside the wing of the plane. And so I'm thinking, you know, okay, it's gotta be a mouse or, you know, something like this, but it was the, the pecking sound though. I was like, that sounds like a bird. And then, uh, I just so happened that the owner had stayed overnight in that area. I called him out there. He came out there with, uh, cause I can't pull inspection plates off and all this stuff. I mean, I theoretically, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm capable of doing such things, but I'm not, a, uh, especially if it's not my plane, I'm, you know, whatever. Anyway, Chris, I don't <laughs> Right. So, all right. So anyway, it's like, I'm like, this is not my problem. This is his problem. He needs to sort it out. And then I, it won't be my problem in that way. So anyway, he comes, pulls the, all the inspection plates off and he's, he stopped and got some uh, roast beef on the way to the plane to, and he was trying to coax this, this bird out of the inspection plate holes with uh and uh you know with uh with lunch meat the bird it, it was okay. a big bird it was wow. a it wasn't even a small bird it was a big bird and what he ended up doing was getting in the plane and just uh giving it like a 2500 rpm <laughs> kind of run up in place with all the inspection plates open and boy, it found its way out. Um, but anyway, it's just, you know, so it's like stuff like that. Like you think about all the pre-flighting things, you know, uh, you don't think about like, all. there might be an actual thing that's alive Mm -hmm. inside the plane. Uh, so that's crazy. Fun stuff. Yeah. That's wild. All right. Let's say hi to Josh, Josh, another friend of the, uh, podcast and channel and, uh, Cirrus, driver and uh took me all the way to nashville and got me back safe ifr and pretty pretty uh (laughs) if you haven't seen that video anybody that's listening or or watching you got to go to chris's channel midlife pilot and watch the nashville fly-in uh video with uh chris and josh coming into nashville it's i've i rewatched it not long ago and it 
now that it's kind of been a little bit of time, I really, really, uh, especially enjoyed it because there was some goofy stuff that, that went on and, um, and to see how you guys were sort of working together was great. But anyway, go ahead. I, I had been dying to say the phrase caps available, um, <laughs> and put my hand up to the, to the handle. And so like, I was super excited about that. And yeah, the approach into the tune was, uh, pretty nuts and we had an ELT or not an ELT, but we had like an emergency. It was, it is pretty, it is pretty, a lot of things did happen now that you mentioned it. I mean, it was a fairly eventful uh, trip. So, yeah. And that's, that's actually what I was going to talk about. You know, I've in my 14 months of having my private pilot license, uh, I've been on frequency for three declared emergencies, wow. like real ones. And that's in addition to our flight down to Tennessee um, you know, one of them I actually got to jump in and, and participate in helping the pilot, but the other two I was just kind of, uh, you know, spectating. Um, but Chris, when you know, when you and I were going down to, to Tennessee, we heard someone on guard say something that sounded to us like declaring emergency, and and it put us in a really weird spot where we weren't sure what to do. And I think it was that indecision, that hesitation, that that made me kind of look back and think like. You know, it, in my training, it's always like, you know, in, you hear an emergency, you know, you, you, you can jump in and help or, you're, you know, ATC jumps in and helps. Um, but we were in this weird in-between spot where, you know, eventually you went on and you said, is someone declaring an emergency? And then I called up uh, approach or center or whoever we were talking to and said, hey, you know, someone declared an emergency or it sounded like. And they were like, uh, OK, uh, you know, are you OK? Are you OK? They started asking around and it just made me realize that, you know, there's these weird gray areas where, you know, it sounded like in retrospect and you recorded it and I recorded it and we both went over and we, it sounded like maybe someone's screwing around at the end that's, of the day. But I'm glad at least we did try, you know, I think it was the right thing to at least try to help, even though I think we might've created more work than we solved, created more problems than we solved. But, uh, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather try to help and be wrong than to, not try to help and be wrong, I guess. For sure. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, I do think too, at the end, I, like I agreed after listening to it, even in the plane, I thought that sounded almost like somebody mockingly with an accent, you know, like, oh, declare an emergency. You know, it was almost obviously a joke. But then I think that's why we hesitated too. Like, I think it was like, was that, is that real? Or is that somebody's horsing around on guard? And so I was hoping by calling back out on guard that somebody might've said, Oh no, no, we're it's fine. and fine. Fine. That they, but I think yeah. if they were still listening to guard, they probably were a little weirded out that somebody's responding to them now. And they're like, Ooh, no, we're just going to stop talking now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. Well, yeah. So you guys also had the, um, uh, you know, an, an interesting sort of uh, approach into John Toom where it was like, you're realizing, yeah. like, I don't know how much experience you had had, Josh, to that point. Maybe none no, of it, going into a, a class Delta that doesn't have radar. <laughs> doesn't have radar. That's the big thing. And and I had none. And I, I didn't even realize that that could exist, really, that there could right. be yeah. people, you know, vectoring you in, you know, okay, you're number three behind the such and such. And, and I have no idea where you are. <laughs> it was just... And yep. so, uh, you know, Chris, you were really helpful in this part of just, um, you know, helping me helping be like that other pair of eyes that you're like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. And we're like, yeah, yeah. OK. All right. I'm like, OK, we got to do something different. And I very uh, amateurishly <laughs> tried to tell the the tower guy that uh, it wasn't going to work and ended up just doing a right 360 to space out, you know, another mile or so. But um, 
but it was fun. It was, it was, you know, one of those like, not, not heart pounding, like, Oh, something terrible is going to happen, but more of the sweaty, like, am I doing the right thing here? Should I say something like, what do I, what do I say? I don't know the situation. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I really like to talk about. You know, it's, it's really easy to get into like the big sort of, you know, you know, big emergencies or, or, you know, real heady stuff like that. But to me, it's, it's, it's actually the collection of all those little micro scenarios of just kind of confusion or moments of uncertainty or just the, you've, those little wrinkles of uh, things that can come up that just, because we all trained in different environments. And so you're just, everybody's going to have their own exposure to these things. And, and what I find curious about it is just that it, it doesn't stop. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm-hmm. like, it's just, so you just get more maybe relaxed about those things happening. It's not as, as affecting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had a, another thing that happened to me yesterday. I had like, I had so many things happen yesterday, but I, I'm curious what you guys think about this, but I was doing a downtown sort of tour over the class, Charlie Nashville. I was on with Nashville tower. You know, I did approach then over to tower. And then I was on my way back kind of West to go towards John Toon. And I was just, he was a little bit busy, you know? So I just thought I would offer, I just said, look, you know, if you want to let us go, cause they always come on and say, what are your intentions anyway? So I just said, look, I, you know, if, if you need to let us go, we're, we're fine. We're just going up. We'll get back on with John Toon. And he was like, great, you know, no problem. Squawk VFR. Cool. Cool. And then I go over to Nashville and I'm waiting to, to talk to them. And then they come on and they say, um, uh, Hey, uh, you know, are you up? You know, they have called my call sign. Are you up? And I'm like, yeah. You know, cause I hadn't quite gotten in yet. <clears throat> and then he's like, Nashville just called me. Uh, they said that you, you are in their airspace <laughs> and you, you know, are you need to get out to the West and, and descend. And I, I was like, well, I'm doing those things, but okay. You know, it was just, I, I don't even, I still to this moment, don't even really totally know what happened, but there's just going to be a lot of things like that, right? Like where you just do everything by the book and what you, you've done it a bunch of times. And then there's just going to be some weird, uh, you know, I've had things where, uh, another thing that happened yesterday, the similar, sorry to go on a rant here, but it's like, I called Memphis or I got asked to go to Memphis center. I called the frequency that they gave me. Uh, and then they got back to me and they said, I said, you know, check, I didn't say checking in, but I just said the altitude or whatever. And then they said, um, they called me out and they said, where did you come from? Go back to where you came from. I'm like, okay. So then I went back to Nashville approach and said, uh, Hey, sorry. They're like, you know, they won't have me there, <laughs> you know, or what I don't even know what I said. And then, and he gave me another frequency and then I go back and it's the same controller. And then, you know, and my voice was sort of like, saying the same thing again, you know? And then, uh, and she was like, okay, great. You know? And then like, it was all fun. It's just weird stuff like that where you just get uh, processed differently in the system and things like that. I'm sure you guys have experienced plenty of that. The best part about this whole conversation just now for me was your paraphrasing of things. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm trying to envision them really saying like, go back to where you came from. Like, or That's like basically what know. they said. So uh, yeah, yeah I, I wasn't, yeah, that's basically what they said. But anyway, yeah, huh. <laughs> I'm barely paraphrasing, actually. Um, but yeah, so uh, maybe we'll pull up some of these. Uh, we got a bunch of these yeah. in the chat. Hey, thanks, Josh. Yeah, it's thanks, Josh. You. Feel free to hang Thank around the guys. green room. Yeah. There's Long time listener, in, uh, first time video participant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hang out in the green room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we took out all the red M&Ms, so it's just the, like, <laughs> the good ones. I don't know. Uh, good times, good times. Yeah, let's get to some of these... Uh, 
let's get to some of these. You got any in mind here? Have you been following along? I just like the ones that are, uh, let's see. Todd says, uh, going into a towered airport, I was told to enter a right downwind, which is over the center of the field. I descend a pattern. He says, transition, transition the field at 1,000 feet higher. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how can I transition the field if I have to enter the downwind in the center of field at 1,000 feet lower? <laughs> <laughs> if you're an osprey yeah exactly you can uh you can do it here's <laughs> some more clarification from todd the tower wanted me higher to avoid incoming commercial traffic but i guess it would have made more sense to say enter the pattern a thousand feet higher yeah 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 um hmm. oh i see yeah yeah so <laughs> flying past 50 says try to get to the hangar and neither my CFI or the county folks could unlock the entry door we spent a good 30 minutes when it dawned on me that the weather had dropped below freezing I mean it's just that's such a classic example of just the goofy weird idiosyncratic stuff like you're you're thinking about regulations and you know proper pre-flighting of the plane and then it's like I can't even get to the plane <laughs> and it takes your brain extra energy to figure out common sense it's so good I love yeah. that Doors frozen shut. That's absolutely a problem that happens at our at our hangars here too, uh, in the winter time. Yeah. Well. Um, oh yeah. So Ben, the the sage said to Josh that the controller probably figured the jet would have closed the gap too quickly since he was on base. The easiest thing would do to be to fly through the final approach. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like that's the other thing about a lot of these little idiosyncratic kind of moments is in retrospect, it's very clear <laughs> kind of the, the, the cause and why, and, you know, uh, evaluating your response or what your actions or, or whatever. But in the moment there's, it's just it, stuff can, can throw you off like that. I mean, so then, yeah. So here, well, here's a strange one. Okay. So this is a strange one. How about this? So this is getting a little bit outside of the scope probably because you kind of said we're not talking about emergencies necessarily. But like, scope. So, so I was in, I was in the 172 with my instructor, Tyler, during my private, I think this is one of the best lessons I may have ever learned, little thing that I'll never forget. And we, this was before we put an alternator in that plane. So it had a generator at the time and we were in Elkins flying around doing stuff and we noticed the generator warning light was on. And so we said, well, we should head back right now. So we did all the things you do, right? You tell approach what's going on. You turn off all the unnecessary stuff and you just, you head straight back to where you're going. So we'd already kind of decided we had a backup radio and stuff. We said, well, we're going back to Fairmont regardless. So we'll, you know, we'll have our radio on standby approach knows what's going on and blah, blah. So we're coming back in. The 172 has electric flaps, um, and so we're coming into the pattern, whatever, getting set up, making our radio calls. We still have power. Everything's good. We're on downwind. So I'm saying everything out loud like I do. So I tell Tyler, I said, all right, we're going to, I'm going to go pull the, pull carpet on and put in 10 degrees of flaps. And he says, don't touch those flaps. I said, what do you mean? He said, we're not, we're going to have a flapless land and we're not using flaps at Fairmont. And I said, uh, okay. You know, at this point I'm not processing why we would do that. And he said, what are you going to do when you put all your flaps in? And then, then we lose our battery and you have to go around out of Fairmont and you've got 30 degrees of flaps in this airplane. You'll never get back out of there. So he said, you never put those, don't do not put them down if you're on battery because you can't get them back out if you lose it. And I was like, that is 
I would, I to this day think about that in planes with electric flaps. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I just thought that was a weird, yeah. I wouldn't have thought about that in terms of power out procedures, but like actual electric, you know, problems. But um, that's a pro tip. Um, don't get your yeah. flaps stuck in where you can't get them back out and get out of there. Well, yeah. And, and like, as a, again, as you know, we're all lower hour pilots. It just means that our thresholds for processing what's like you had enough training and ability at that point to process what was going on in the immediate, but those little look aheads, those little uh, predictive kind of trains of, th- of thought and, and uh, all that, you know, it's not, cause that's not something you do by rote memorization. It's just having an instinct for systems, but you can't access that kind of brain matter when you're just, you're kind of feeling, okay. That's like, right. You know, so, so yeah, here's a good one from Steve Cross. He says, when, when I did a simulated, engine out short approach on my check ride. It was at an untowered airport. In my calls, I said, uh, Skyhawk call sign, da, 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 is doing a short approach, simulated engine out emergency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and DPE says, hey, avoid ever saying the word emergency on the radio unless it really is an emergency because someone may hear that and they might only hear that one word and think that you've got a problem. So yeah, that's a good point. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's little, it's those little things. Um, yep. Yeah. It By the way, like- this is totally unrelated to anything, uh, Chris, but I just wanted to take a pause on this flow that we're in and say, um, have you, have you been able to fly since like recently, but before you got sick, but recently? Um, my last flight was, I think the video that I published last week of the break in flight. So I was yeah. probably two weeks ago in the one. Okay. Okay. And then you almost flew. Almost flew Sunday to Newport News and this in the Cherokee. Um, no, but you almost did the night flight too. Oh yeah. Almost, almost made a, almost made a night flight, but then talked myself out of it because, uh, the plane had, um, like nine hours on a brand new engine. And I thought, I don't need to be flying this thing at night yet. <laughs> like let's let it, let's let it cook in a little bit more first. So we all have, yeah, we all have brilliant ideas, don't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have a we have a we have a uh, very distinguished guest um, oh. standing by in the Uh-oh. green room. All the, right, everybody gets serious now. It's the sage. Sage Singer is here. With, with that kind of intro, maybe I should. Um, I don't know. That's I'm so uncomfortable with that. See, the only thing the only thing you're not a sage of is microphone technology because you are using <laughs> some sort of a other mic than not. Because like, I know you have a good mic. And then what we're hearing is not that mic. All right. Uh, why don't you back me out and I'll try to trouble you. Can you <laughs> not hear me okay? Yeah, you just hit the settings button and you can choose your different things. I think you can do it right here. Hey, let's have live tech support. Do you have a settings <laughs> button right there right now? And then you go to audio and then audio input. You pick your source there. How's that? Oh, oh. Yeah. Live tech support. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to find this uh, on many aviation podcasts, real-time troubleshooting of audio inputs. That was this incredible. People stay Even for, an man. old dog can be caught. That's, that's for you sure. You sound great. Thank you. What's happening, um, I was just going to mention uh, my Nordo experience. It was uh, literally two weeks after I passed my private check ride. Ooh. We uh, had a new... Um, in 2020, the FAA were are giving uh, like money if you got your ADSBN before the deadline. And the deadline was like at the end of January. So we had taken the plane to this avionics shop. And um, 
they installed it and I went to go pick it up and it was at a non-towered airport. And um, I did all of my training in a class D, so it was always towered. So I, I get in the airplane and um, I make my radio calls. It's not a very busy airport at all. It was in Winder, Georgia. And um, didn't hear anybody, didn't see anybody on my um, ADSB you know, traffic. So I took off and um, I tried to pick up flight following uh, going across the northern corridor of Atlanta. It's busy with all the different airports, PDK, Lawrenceville, all of them. And they came back and said, aircraft calling in unreadable. And I thought I was kind of far out, but I, I thought maybe it was just the distance and the receiver wasn't close enough, whatever. So I continue to proceed to my airport and I'm about 13 miles out and I call up and the controller comes back on and says, aircraft calling in unreadable. Well, I'm starting to kind of worry. I'm starting to sweat a little bit more. And then um, I get closer and closer. You know, you've got that four mile ring around a Delta that you can't enter without two way radio communication. So I'm starting to panic a little bit and I tried three or four more times and she came, kept coming back unreadable, unreadable. So I squawked 7,600 just like I was trained. And I diverted to the north side of the airport. Our runway is east-west. So I went to the north side and I didn't see anybody. I wasn't too worried because I had two other airports within a three-minute flight that were not towered that I could get it down. And I had about four hours of fuel in the plane. So I really wasn't worried about that. But I wanted to get the plane down at home. So I put the autopilot on altitude hold and just started circling north of it. And I was squawking 7,600 7, and I would hit that ident button, hoping that it would flash on her radar. And I'm feeling around, checking the connections and, and nothing was working. And I tried to call in and all I heard was still unreadable. Well, I, she, she had to know that it was me. I don't know why she never kind of cleared me in, but I did like 15 minutes of circles around the north side of the airport trying to figure out what my next step was. And finally, she called up and said, airplane circling north of the field, cleared down a right base, land 2-7. So I got it down on the ground. And um, what had happened was, is when they put the ADSB in, they wired the mic jack to the old jack that, you know, the old microphones in the planes when they were first made. You would, Well, they wired the mic jack into that. So I could hear everybody fine. They obviously couldn't ah. hear me. When I plugged my mic jack into to that one, I called ground. I said, how do you hear? She goes, oh, you're loud and clear now. Like, oh. <laughs> but it was the, the takeaway for me was, is that because I trained in the Delta, I never did a radio check. Never had to because it was always working. And this was the first time I was taking off out of a non-towered airport. And, um, wow. You know, I'll do a radio check every single time after that. But it, I was sweating a pretty good bit during that. Wow. That's a good that's a good reminder. I don't do a lot of radio checks coming out of untowered airports. I, I just I don't know because I haven't haven't run into that scenario yet. And that's a that's something I should just always I just always feel like people are cluttering up what's going on. You know, if they're at, but obviously it makes sense to do it. So uh, I'm going to start doing that. That's a good point. I don't do a mic check very often, but you know what I've caught myself doing lately is getting real weird about making sure I can hear because I am at an untowered field. And so like I keep popping the squelch like I didn't used to do this, but I've got real weird lately about 
pop in the squelch to hear static just to make sure I'm hearing something from that radio that I'm not missing calls that are there that I just can't hear for some reason. It's like that's become a real habit. Um, I, I'm doing it all the time now, and it's it's annoying for editing out of videos. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so 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 uh, Sage, what you're saying is 7600. It's not just for accessing FBO restrooms. <laughs> that. That's, that is it. And, um, I was looking for light guns and, and I asked her, I said, did you ever shoot the light gun? She goes, no. <laughs> I was like, so there's a lesson to be learned from that. Don't always rely on the light guns. <laughs> They're like well, light gun. We don't even know where that thing is. I seriously, that's probably the case. So yeah. Larry, go look in the closet. Where is the, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I'm going to sign off. Thanks guys. Thanks Ben. Thanks. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Um, here's a couple from the comments. Um, I like this one cause I have a brief story about this. Uh, Tuomo said on my solo cross country flying a Grumman did a brake test before landing and the right brake was super mushy. So he landed long, taxied off, could only make left turns. Called my instructor who says, can you still fly the plane? I say, yes. And he says, fly her home. Just don't turn right when you land at home base. <laughs> Because you can't. The castring knows we all know. So I had a similar thing. I I may have told this story, Brian. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast or not or just in private, but um, I had a flight I was going to do in the 172. This has been probably a year ago now. And I came up here and somebody reported the brakes were mushy, but they get a little bit that way in that plane from time to time and we bleed them and get them, you know, it's it's not unusual for them to feel a little bit softer than like super hard at the top. So I came up and pulled the plane out and pre-flight and everything. And I got in, I felt the brakes. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, these are, uh, these are pretty squishy. And so I thought, but I'm thinking to myself, so here's the decision-making process. I thought, well, I only have to stop once, you know, when I land. So I thought, well, I can. So, so I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. So I said, well, let's start up anyway. Let's see what happens. So you know, I did this thing, start up. I said, all right, let's taxi now and do a brake check. So I taxied and I started to do a brake check and I was like, I have minimal left brake. I mean, minimal and no right brake whatsoever. So I thought, okay, no, I can't. What if I have to abort my takeoff run halfway down the runway and can't stop on the ground? Like I can't fly this thing, but I thought, well, I'll at least taxi it across the runway on the other side of the field to the maintenance shop. And I'll see if our mechanic is over there and can breed our, breed the Blake, breed, bleed the brakes real quick. So, so I taxi out from our hangar row. Okay. Easy peasy. The first turn is the left. And then we cross the runway. And on the other side of the runway immediately is a 90 degree right hand turn. So I make my calls, cross the runway five, two, three, and like power up to go across the runway. And I pull power across the runway. And I'm, I'm now I'm coming up on this right hand turn. And I've got my rudder all the way in. And in the 172, while it is nose wheel steering technically, it's on a spring. So it's not, if you're, you know, if you're not going super fast. You don't have much. So I got my right rudder and brake pushed all the way down and I can't turn right. Now I'm coming to the end of the taxi where it turns right and I'm going to go over into the grass and down a hill. So I like panicked and I said, well, the only thing I can do is jam the left brake now and I'm going to turn left and I'm going to go off the taxiway, but I'm good. I got to stop. I'm going to go over the hill. So I smashed the left brake, came to a stop, nose wheel off in the grass of the taxiway. Fortunately, it's just like a, it, I didn't hit a light or anything. So I shut the engine down the mixture i'm like that was so stupid so i get out and look i kid you not i got out and where that prop was to where the there was a there was a taxiway light it could not have been 
it was within six inches of striking that taxiway light where I ended up stopping off the side of the taxiway. And I thought, well, you idiot. So I pulled the plane around, got it lined up with a straight line. I had to go to the maintenance hangar and start it up again and took it straight to the maintenance shop. Oh, man. left it there. But I was like, you can't, you shouldn't move an airplane without brakes. I mean, that's, you just, that was, it was irresponsible. And so, and that's the same plane that ended up getting a prop strike on its own later on anyway. Yeah. Yeah. In, in September or early October. Not by your yeah. doing, but. Not by me. Uh, yep. Some other, some other genius, right? Uh, no, I mean, those things happen, right? So, I mean, they happen. It's funny. It's, uh, you know, the, the, I, I get, just from a, a sort of 30,000 foot view, um, comparatively, if you think about it, cars versus, you know, like driving versus flying. So we've been talking for a full episode already. None of us, except for the Sage, all of us are under 500 hours, I would say. Most of us, 90% of us are under 500 hours in here. And every, this chat's been going the whole time. Yep. And we've got endless, like I've got a whole list of just things that I've, I've thought of that are just strange anomalies or weird things that have happened or, or whatever. If you're driving and if, if the rate of weird things that happen, I mean, weird things definitely do happen in cars, but it's not like, you're, you know, my brakes going out or I don't know, you know, like just like all of a right. sudden the electrical, you know, like those things do happen with cars. I'm just saying the frequency like just so I guess it's just important to look at is go, okay, if you, if you, if this kind of weird stuff happened every 250 hours that you drove an automobile, <laughs> you know, that's the truth. Here's, here's one. Here's a crazy one. Just, just yesterday in one of our club planes came back from a flight. They went to get stop and get fuel. And when they went to pull the mixture, it's one of the, it's a Cessna. So it's one of the, veneer style, you know, you can twist or you can push the button in the middle and pull the mixture out. They push the button, pull the mixture <clears throat> to kill the engine, and the entire mixture control comes completely out of the panel. Like, comes out of the panel, engine's still running, and he's holding the mixture control. The cable's still there, but he's, like, holding it in his hand, and is like, ah. Uh. So put the put it back in, shut off the fuel uh, cutoff, and got gas. Taxi back to the hangar. When I got back here, the mixture control works. So we came up and looked at it last night. There's, we're replacing it. We have it grounded again. But it was just like, there's something that I've never thought about before. Like you go to pull the mixture control and the whole thing comes out of the panel in your hand. Like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's it's never ending. Well, um, you know, uh, I, I the cool thing is we're all here to talk about it and, and share in, in the 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 pleasure and, and pain of of learning and, and getting more experience. Uh, but you know, uh, I just thought it would be cool to talk about this because, uh, like I said, uh, just the, that sort of fascia of stuff in between sort of total success that you mostly see people portraying and absolute wildness that you maybe see also people portray. <laughs> There's all that little stuff in the middle. And so I like to hear, you know, I, I think when we get together, obviously in person, this is the kind of stuff that we talk about because we want to understand what other people have been through and it brings uh, all of that to top of mind is at least a potential, a potential for 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 any of us, and you kind of have an idea of maybe what you'll you'll do. So um, yeah, that's great. So yeah, super super cool. This is a fun episode, man. 
Very fun. Thanks to our guests uh, who came on. For everybody in the chat room tonight, reminder to the audio podcast audience that we record these every other Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And if you want to be part of the uh, interactivity. It would be great for you to join us uh, on the YouTube channel uh, and uh, hang out with us on the live recordings. And please, if you haven't, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, no matter where you listen, please take a minute to subscribe, uh, leave comments and ratings on Apple Podcasts specifically. Uh, it's very helpful for us, uh, and we appreciate certainly all of the support and uh, all the interaction. Absolutely, and also, um, you know, I think one of the things that is probably the best thing that people can do to sort of help grow whatever we're doing, you know, is uh, I don't know why we as humans, we have to grow everything. I don't know why we can't just be happy with what we got. I'm happy with what we've got, but we, you're inclined to grow things, right? So share this stuff, right? Like go through our catalog of episodes because you can tell by the topics kind of what it's about. And, you know, um, when you find it, uh, an opportunity or, you know, forums or, you know, places like that. That's the way that this kind of stuff really lifts off is through organic sharing. Uh, so that's an easy thing for people to do too. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we'll, um, and then coming up soon is the St. Simon's, uh, midlife pilot kind of, I don't know what it is. We're calling it just the St. Simon's fly in. Um, and so, um, uh, that's coming up here pretty soon. The weather's going to be perfect. It's just going to be perfect. Everything's going to work out just fine. There's not going to be anything weird. Yes, I'm sure that is true. <laughs> All right. Well, good night, everybody. Thanks, Chris. Uh, send us off, and, uh, and, yep. and, and we'll do it next time. Thanks for potting, and we'll uh, talk to everyone real soon. 